Psalm 46, it's going to be my privilege to open God's Word this morning to this scripture under the theme, Putting God in Charge. Putting God in Charge. This is something that God's people need to learn better to do, to put God in charge. Maybe you know this psalm great, gained great notoriety during the 9-11 happenings over 20 years ago now following what happened in New York, in Pennsylvania, and Washington, D.C. Um, the Sunday after, this scripture was read in many, many churches. And um, it was preached on. And it gave comfort to people who wondered, what has just happened? Can you believe this? I can't help but believe that in Japan this week, they cannot imagine what happened in that country with all of their gun restrictions, an endeared prime minister being shot to death. The people of Highland Park in Chicago, this morning they're still in shock. How could this have happened in our seemingly safe community, enjoying a 4th of July parade? And I could go on and on. When shocking, stunning, things that should not happen do happen, we're wise to turn to Psalm 46. Because not only in this psalm do we see God in charge, but we're encouraged, each of us in our personal lives, with whatever 9-11 happenings have happened or may happen, to put our God in charge. Listen to the words of Psalm 46. God, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way, or though the, yeah, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her and will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in an uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge or our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow, he shatters the spear, he burns the shields with fire. Be still, know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Heavenly Father, I pray that that message may work its way deep into our soul and into our everyday living, that you, are God, are the Almighty, that you are with us in all the circumstances and happenings of life, that the God of Jacob, who is such a refuge and a fortress to his people of old, is no less a refuge and a fortress to his people today. Lord, now help us to put aside all the thoughts of the past week and all of the plans we may have for the coming week and help us to listen carefully to what the Spirit of God has to say to our heart today. In Christ's name, amen. Psalm 46. Psalm 46 is a song. Like many other songs, it's always good to know the story 
behind the song, the story that gave rise to this song. We just sang Amazing Grace. There's an amazing story behind that song. It is well with my soul. An amazing story stands behind that song. And I dare say, Silent Night, an amazing story stands behind that song. And I could go listing others. What's the story behind Psalm 46? It is told, I believe, in the Old Testament, 2 Kings chapter 18 and 19, which I'm not going to read to you at this time, but I encourage you to read those chapters carefully, maybe later today or in this week, the details there. But let me go back with you a moment and just summarize. The year is 701 B.C., about 2,700 years ago now. Assyria is a world power, and Assyria has a king that is a threat to the world of that day, strikes terror in the hearts of all those living in the Mediterranean world back then. King Sennacherib. The fact is, he wants to control the entire world of that day. And he's on a campaign to make that happen. One by one, the nations fall. And the peoples within those countries and cities are put to death ruthlessly, mercilessly, Quite some years ago now, we had the privilege of being in Israel for a couple of weeks, and I still remember we were in that uh, town of Lachish, the remains of Lachish, about 25 miles to the south and to the west of Jerusalem. King Sennacherib had destroyed that city, year 701, 25 miles from Jerusalem. And as you might know, Jerusalem is next. Jerusalem is next. Hezekiah is king in Israel at that time, in Judah. Hezekiah is a good king, a good king. Second Kings chapter 18, we read this. King Hezekiah did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah. He held fast to the Lord. And did not depart from following him. And then it's added, the Lord was with him. He prospered him wherever he went. As I said, King Sennacherib has conquered many, many cities. Now cities nearby. He's already taken Israel to the north. And now he wants Israel to the south. Namely, Jerusalem. His troops surround the city back then. And King Sennacherib sends a message in Hebrew to those now trapped inside the city. 2 Kings 18, verse 29. This is the message. Do not let Hezekiah deceive you. He will not be able to deliver you from my hand. Do not let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord saying, the Lord will surely deliver. It will not happen. That's his message. A field commander of his delivers that message to King Hezekiah. And then this evil king writes a letter himself to King Hezekiah with essentially the same message. You can read that in verse 10. Basically saying, give up, submit, surrender. Save yourself a bloodbath. 
my gods are too strong. I am too strong. What does King Hezekiah do? Having received these messages and knowing what's happened to surrounding cities. He takes that letter of this king into the temple. We read, and he lays it before the Lord. And he prays, he prays. Listen to a part of his prayer. Chapter 19, verses 15 and following 2 Kings. O Lord, God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. Give ear, O Lord, and hear. Listen to the words Sennacherib has sent to insult you, the living God. It is true, O Lord, that the Syrians have laid waste nations and lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire, have destroyed them, for they were not gods, but only wood and stone fashioned by men's hands. Now, O Lord, our God, deliver us from his hand, so that all the kingdoms on earth may know that you alone, O Lord, you alone are God. King Hezekiah, by means of this prayer, very honestly puts God in charge. He knows that, that his God is Israel's true king. He is her fortress. He is her warrior. And oh my, how this God of Israel responds. You must read it. He sends an angel, 185,000 Assyrians are put to death. People wake up in the morning and there's dead Assyrians here, there, and everywhere. King Sennacherib sees this. He retreats in great fear. He's soon killed by his own sons. The closing verses, chapter 19. A stunning, stunning turnaround. And it all has to do with a, a good and godly king putting God in charge during this major crisis, releasing a great, great burden in Israel to Israel's God. Asking God to act. And God does not disappoint. He does. But out of that happening arises Psalm 46. Who wrote that psalm? We cannot be sure. Maybe King Hezekiah wrote it. Maybe the prophet Isaiah wrote it because he had prophesied the downfall of this evil king. Chapter 19 of his prophecy. Maybe a scribe. But Psalm 46 wants us to appreciate and to celebrate the awesome power of the God of Israel, our God. A God for whom no barrier is too great. No enemy is too strong. No situation is too impossible. Psalm 46 you have your Bibles open before you, there's really three sections there. Each of them separated with the word Selah. And I want to look briefly at each of these sections and the story of comfort found 
within each one. Section one draws our attention to God being our refuge, divine refuge. Let me read these verses again. God is our refuge, our strength, and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with the surging. The word refuge here in the Hebrew language means a place of protection, a place of safety. Maybe you know in Israel they had what they call those cities of refuge. When pursued by the enemy, you would seek to make your way to such a place and, and there you were protected. You were safe. You were given refuge. When I grew up on a farm not too far from here, years ago now, of course, but we had several major tornadoes went through that community in a year or so. And people were alarmed. And my parents, along with others, we built a tornado shelter in the basement of our farmhouse, southwest corner, I recall. And then when the sirens would sound, we would go downstairs into that shelter. And there we felt safe. We felt protected. We'd stay there until the danger had passed. But now listen. In the Bible, true refuge, true refuge is never found in a certain place. Not in a, a certain fortress city. Not having a mighty and strong army. Or a strong king. God. God is the refuge of his people. God is the one you are to flee to, to lean on, to trust in, in times of trouble. Psalm 46 says that. And there are other scriptures who say exactly the same thing. Deuteronomy 33, verse 27. The eternal God, he is your refuge. Underneath, underneath are his everlasting arms. Psalm 91, verse 2, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, He is my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Psalm 57, in you my soul takes refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster passes by. Again and again, the same message. People encouraged to seek their refuge in God, help from Him in times of trouble. I think of Martin Luther this morning, that great reformer. Perhaps you know there were great evils in the day in which he lived happening within the church that frankly impacted the salvation of people, the eternal salvation of people, the true gospel. Martin Luther saw that and he addressed that and he tried to reform the church and bring her back to the message of God's word. But, oh my goodness, that opened up a hornet's nest. He came under attack. May I say under satanic attack. And when days were especially hard for Martin Luther, I read, some days when he felt afraid, discouraged, he would turn to his friend. Philip Melanchthon, another great reformer. 
And he would say, Phil, Phil, come. We must sing Psalm 46 again. We must sing Psalm 46. And that is what they did. In the words that Martin Luther himself wrote, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper, he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. Martin needed a refuge, a fortress. King Hezekiah did. Israel did. We do. Maybe as I speak this morning, someone listening to my voice is undergoing a great trial, a great trial at present. There is something has happened, a disastrous happening. You could not have imagined. You could not foresee it. But you've got to deal with it somehow. Maybe for one, the enemy right at present seems so strong. He's attacking you. He's pursuing you. Remember Psalm 46. Make God your refuge. Lean on him. Flee to him. Trust in him. He was back then and he still is today a very present help and helper to people, his children who are in trouble. Let's move on to the second section. Verses 4 through 7. Verse 4 begins... There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. You must read Psalm, I mean, 2 Kings 19 and see how it's precisely at the break of day that God acted, that God destroyed the Assyrians. When the people woke up, God had acted. Or when the people rested or when the people slept, God was awake. He took action. He won a mighty victory. He dealt with the enemy. There's a message there, of course, an application message that I'm not going to pursue this morning. But often when we release and when we rest, God does mighty things, mighty things. But there's something else here. That river whose streams make glad the city of God. The river whose streams make glad the city of God. Maybe you know in ancient times when the enemy was approaching your city, you would strengthen the walls. Strengthen the walls. And then the people would gather within that city. Seemingly a safe place. But the greatest fear then, being inside the city, was not that the walls would be destroyed, but that you might, in due time, run out of food and water. The enemy knew that, of course, and oftentimes they would lay siege on the city and just wait it out until the people within no longer had food, and especially no more water. Well, before the Assyrians got to Jerusalem, King Hezekiah had some time to prepare. 
What he did was absolutely amazing. Outside of Jerusalem, maybe you know this, in the Kidron Valley, there was a deep spring. It was, frankly, the water source. An abundant spring to the people of Jerusalem. Hezekiah knew that that spring in its water must be protected at all costs. And so he dug a tunnel through strong rock about a third of a mile long from that spring underneath the wall to the center of the city and he had a reservoir there where there would be a continual supply of good water. And then he had that spring outside the city covered up so well that a stranger and invading army would have no idea, no idea that that would be the water source. The angel of the Lord killed all those Assyrians, but even had he not done that, and that he had approached this city and laid siege to it, Hezekiah had prepared a fresh water for a long time. There was an underground river or stream feeding them and would continue to feed them. Frankly, that stream is still there today. As I said, we traveled to Israel quite some years ago now, and we walked what is called that Hezekiah Tunnel. Some people got too claustrophobic. They couldn't do that. But you walk in the water, sometimes up to your ankles, sometimes up to your knees, sometimes up to your waist, a third of a mile, using a flashlight. Somewhat scary. Dark, cold. But what an ingenious plan for the day of all of our engineering equipment to channel that tunnel from outside the city into the center of the city providing water. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. But I believe the psalm writer has something in mind here when he says this. It's not first to water. My thought is this has to do with the Holy Spirit. He's a river for us. A divine resource, may I say. A secret fountain. A hidden strength or source of life and power. We're not defenseless when the enemy strikes. Not only is God on our side, but listen, God is within us. Living within us. Recognize that at all times, but especially in times of trouble, that you have a hidden river. A divine resource. There is still a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the people of God, the very presence of God living within us. And then section 3, verses 8 and following. Come see the works of the Lord. The desolations he has brought on the earth. Come, come and see. They're all recorded. His great judgments. His amazing mercies. His powerful actions. Not are they just recorded so that they can be put away somewhere in archives. 
but they're intended to be read by God's people down through the ages so that they may be encouraged to recognize that their God is their refuge. He is their resource. His record not only makes clear what He has done, but He is able to do. One who is exalted among the nations, exalted in the earth, the God Almighty, who with His people always, a true fortress. So I want to encourage us this morning. We read of happenings. Maybe you read the local newspaper. Maybe, maybe you read the Wall Street Journal to find out what's happening in the, in the business world and beyond. Maybe it's a favorite news magazine you have. I don't know what your sources are. But I want each of us to commit anew to being a faithful reader of this record. A record of God's judgments, of God's mercies. And let what's recorded here as you read it be used of God to encourage each of us, to inspire us, to comfort us, to bring a song to our lips again. Remember King Hezekiah always. Remember Psalm 46. Do what he did. Put God in charge in your life, in your situation. He is more than able to deal with all the Sennacheribs when we be on the path before you or behind you. The enemy is strong, yes. But our God is stronger. Amen? Join me in prayer. Lord, we bless you for that ancient and astounding victory that happened at the break of a certain day in history. We bless you that you are still the same God today and that we can trust you to deal with and to defeat our enemies as well. Oh God, give us the faith and the courage and the wisdom of ancient King Hezekiah. When the day is dark and the need is great, to put you, our God, in charge. In Christ's name, amen.